Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, Christmas is Compassion, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on December 6th, 2015. Christmas season. I'm reminded of God's love and, and God's grace for us as we think about the Savior that he sent his son. And so this morning I wanted to open up with a quote from a theologian by the, by the name of Frederick Beaker, Beekner, excuse me. He says this, he says, Compassion is the sometimes fatal capacity for filling what it is like to live inside somebody else's skin. It is the knowledge that there can never really be any peace and joy for me until there is peace and joy finally for you too. See, I believe that, that this theologian has is, is, is summed up what God has done for us. See, we celebrate Christmas because of the compassion that God has shown us through His Son, Jesus Christ. See, Christmas is compassion. It's God's compassion for the people that He loves. See, we all know that, that Christ, Christmas is a celebration of our Savior, Jesus Christ, right? We know the, the story. The prophet Isaiah says in, in 9.6, he says, Unto us a child is born. To us, to you and I, a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, Jesus is the incarnation of God himself. He is fully man, but fully divine. See, and sometimes I think we, we lose sight of that. We forget. But at Christmas time, it's a time to reflect and to remember God's love and his compassion for you and I. See, what Jesus did is he took on the nature of man. He came in flesh. See, in his compassion, Jesus comes for the lost. He comes for the broken. He comes for those that are sick. And it's such a, a beautiful story of God's love for you and I. If you would, grab your Bibles. If you have it on your phone or on your iPads, open up your Bible app. Uh, just make sure you, you scroll out of the Facebook page as you do that. It's okay. I know you're not on Facebook. I know you've you got your Bibles open. Turn with me to the, to the Gospel of Matthew. And I want to share with you this morning um, uh, this, this picture of Christmas that Jesus draws for us in Matthew chapter 9. But before we get into that passage, what I'd like to do is to kind of help you understand because we have to understand in, in 9 as he ends this, there's some context that happened in chapter 8 and through 9 that really kind of reveal to us who Jesus Christ is. See, in chapter 8, we see the power of Jesus Christ. We see him reveal himself in a way through the, the, the powerful miracles and the healing that he does. And then in chapter 9, we, we see his compassion so we get a, a better understanding of God's compassion for you and I, for people, for his creation. 
See, in these two chapters, 8 and 9 in Matthew, he leaves no question of his power and his authority as God in the flesh. He shows us his nature and he reveals to us who he is. See, the evidence is clear. He is our healer, he is our forgiver, and he is our savior, just as the prophet Isaiah said. So the question this morning that lies before us as we read these passages, as we look at this passage here, the question is why? Why did God send his son? Why does Jesus have to come? Why did he do all these great things for you and I? Well, let's pray. And I want to read the passage in Matthew together. Father, we we thank you for this morning. Lord, as we enter into your presence, we do it in the name of Jesus. A name that is above all names, holy and pure, righteous. Jesus the Christ, the anointed one, our Savior, Savior to the world. Father, our prayer this morning is that you would open our hearts and remind us what Christmas truly is. Help us to better understand why you sent your son and how you fulfilled your purposes through him and the things that you desire for each and every one of us as you've called us, as you've created us, and as you've brought us into this place together. Lord, open our hearts, prepare our minds, bring us clarity through your word. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in Matthew 9, I just want to read the the last few verses of of Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38 together. It says this, starting in verse 35, it says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said this to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out more laborers into the harvest. See, the question that we have before us is why? Why did Jesus come? Why did God send his only begotten son for you and I? Well, if you would, just flip back to Genesis 1. I think we have to go back to the creation story. Genesis 1, if you flip back there, we see God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates all things. And then in Genesis 1, and in verse 26, he says something that we have to pay careful attention to that's that's very profound for you and I. Listen to what God says. He says, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And then he says, And let them have dominion. Let them have control. Let them oversee. All of the things that we've created, the fish of the sea, the birds, over the livestock, over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing, that creeps on the earth. See, God created you and I in his image. 
You know, and, and if you think about that, if you really kind of chew on that for a little bit and you think about the love and the compassion that God has given us and shown us because he's set us above all things here in this earth, everything that he's created us, created in this earth, he's given us dominion over to rule over. And not only has he done that, but he shaped us to be like him. We should be in awe of that. God has shaped us to be like him. Now I want you to flip over to Exodus chapter 3. And we see um, through the Genesis story and, and, and through Exodus that a lot of things happen, a lot of things go on. Time passes, people fall, sin comes, and God's people are in a tough place. See, in Exodus 3, verse 7 and 8, God sends Moses and he tells him something very specific. He says this, the Lord says in verse 7, he says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. See, God has some great things in store for his people. And at this moment in time, we see in the, in the Exodus story that his people are living in slavery and in bondage and they're being ruled over by the Egyptians. And you probably think to yourself, well, what does that have to do with me, Floyd? That was a long time ago. Well, that's no different than what we, we are dealing with today. Instead of being ruled and, and, and controlled by, by the Egyptians or by another people, we here in, a, in this world are being controlled by our sin. See, we're slaves to it. See, and God has so much more for us, but yet we're, we're under this bondage, under this, you know, this slavery to sin. And God wants to free us from that sin. He wants to deliver us. See, that's God's compassion. Christmas is, Jesus is God's compassion for his people. He had to send his son for you and I. I want you to flip over to Exodus 6. Just turn with me a couple of chapters over. And I want to read this together. I want you to think about this because in here he talks about the bondage that the, the Egyptians are holding his people under. And I want you to think about and replace wherever it says Egyptians with the word sin in your mind as we read it. Because it's no different. Starting in verse 6, he says, there, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of sin. And I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people. And I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from the, uh, the burdens of sin. I will bring you into the land that I swore to you to give Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. 
See, God, in his compassion, in his deep love for us, has sent us a deliverer. He has sent us his son, Jesus Christ, to free us from the bondage and the burden of sin. He is a savior. He is a redeemer. He is God in flesh. That's God's compassion for you and I. You might think to yourself, you know, why then is this world in such chaos? You know, why are there so many, so much junk going on? Why is it so hard? And I, I got to imagine that the, the Israelites at this time were wondering the same thing. Why do we have to deal with all of this stuff, all of this bondage? Well, again, it, it points back to one simple thing, our sin. See, if we, if we read the context of the story of the Exodus we see that not only are the Israelites slave to the Egyptians, but they've also become slaves to the gods that the Egyptians worship. See, they, they're, not, they're not monotheistic in their, in their worship. They worship multiple gods. And just like you and I today, in our society, in our wor- world, we've given ourselves over to other gods things that become our priority that we give our affections to and our worship to. You know, I could list a whole bunch of things, but I'll let you fill in the blank on that one. Because for each and every one of us, it's different. You know, we all have something that we give our affections to, that we worship, we've given over ourselves to in a way that has placed God in a lower priority. But God in His compassion... He tells us and he reminds us that I offer you freedom. I offer you compassion, even though. Now that's, that's the Christmas story. God's love and his compassion for his creation. You know, the answer to all the hurt and the pain in our world, I think comes from verse nine in the same passage here. Moses says in verse 9, he says, Thus to the people of Israel, he spoke to them and shared this word. And then it says, Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses. And listen why. It says, because of their broken spirit and their harsh slavery. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if you've ever shared your faith with someone, shared, shared, you know, in the most sincerest way of just telling them, hey, you know what? God loves you and he cares about you. And he wants to redeem you and he wants you to, to free you from the burden of this sin and the, and the wages of this sin and the slavery to it and the brokenness and the pain and all the hurt that comes along with it. And for some reason, they just don't grab it. They just don't hold it. And they continue in their sin and their slavery to it. And you wonder in your mind, why? Well, I think Moses, I mean, this this last verse tells us because it has broken us so far down. It has caused us to be so callous and we're so used to it that this is the everyday life for us and this is what we live in. So we accept it and we acknowledge it. And even if we don't say anything or we say something, we still kind of just let it be there. 
And then it just breaks us even more and more and more. See, sin, it affects us. It hurts us. The wages of sin is death. And I'll tell you, the wages of sin go even deeper than just that in the sense of my own self. My sin hurts other people. My sin affects the world around me. But see, God tells us something here. He says, even though you're at fault, even though you've chosen to stay in this bondage, even though you're choosing to walk in this way, He says, I love you. He says, I will hold you and I will free you from this. And if you don't believe me, let me show you what I'm going to do for you. He says, here's my son. Here's my son. And I'm going to show you the depth of my compassion for you, the depth of my love for you. Here's my son. So Jesus comes. God sends a savior, a redeemer. And you know what? That redeemer, Jesus Christ, he knows us. In Ephesians 1, it tells us that that God, before He formed the world, that He had you and I in mind. He was thinking about us. Then we go back to Genesis 1. And what does He do? He not only creates us, but He creates us in His image. And then He gives us authority. He loves us. He cares about us. See, this time of year, the season that we're in, the season for celebration, for our sins. In his compassion, Jesus, God, became man. You know, Jesus Christ, Christ isn't his last name. Jesus the Christ means our Savior, the Anointed One, the one that has been anointed by God to fulfill a purpose. See, in this passage in Matthew 9, we can learn so much from Jesus about compassion. He gives us the answer to the why again. And we can take the example of Christ and apply it to how we live our lives, how we show compassion by what Jesus modeled through His compassion. There's four statements here that Jesus makes. And I want us to look at them this morning and kind of unpack them a little bit and think about them and really wrestle through them. And the first thing that we see in verse 35 is that Jesus went with compassion. And the key word I want you to circle there in your notes is went. See, Jesus goes with compassion. He takes upon himself the responsibility to minister to people by going. Verse 35, it says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. See, the, the, the Christmas story, it wouldn't be the same if Jesus just stood there and did nothing. Could you imagine? Think about this. If you, imagine this. Jesus, we know, was born in Nazareth, right? We know what he did where he grew up as a, as a, a woodworker. You know, he had to work and be a part of his family and do all those things that, that we do in our lives with our families. And he knew who he was. Jesus knew he was the Savior. There's no question there. The question was, did people know who he was? 
And how were they going to find out who he was? So if we could imagine that Jesus just stood there and stayed there and just thought to himself, well, you know what? God, whoever you bring to me, I'll tell them about the gospel. I'll proclaim it as they come. Bring them, God. I'm here. Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. Sitting in Nazareth. Where are they? No, Jesus didn't do that. See, it's very clear. It says Jesus went throughout all of the cities and the villages. And then he did something significant. He shared the gospel. He told the story of God's compassion for his people. See, Jesus didn't wait. He went. He took the initiative and he went on a journey. And you know what else Jesus did? Is he got involved in people's lives. And yes, I'll tell you, it's messy. Lives are messy. If you don't think so, just ask your neighbor. Lives are messy. But it's a beautiful picture here that he's showing us. See, Jesus got involved in people's lives. You know, we see in the Gospels that Jesus worshipped with others. He was in the synagogue and he was worshipping. We see that, that Jesus went to weddings. He hung out with people. He went on a journey with them. He worked with them. He shared in laboring with them on their fishing boats. We also see in the Gospels that, that Jesus even wept when one of them died. See, Jesus was involved here. This little verse here tells us and reminds us of so much of God's compassion for you and I, for people. See, if, if you and I here at Soul Rio Church, if we're going to have a, a meaningful ministry, if we're going to be ministers and proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to do what Jesus tells us here, and what he models, and then what he tells us in Matthew 22 when he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, everything that you are. Give over all of your worship, all of your affections to God. See, because people were wondering, they were saying, why? They were asking questions. And in the midst of that why, someone says, hey, Jesus, what what is it going to take? What is the greatest commandment? If I could do one thing, what would that be? And Jesus just simply says, love God. Love Him with all that you are. Give Him all of yourself. And then He says the second, the next commandment. He says the second that is just like this. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, we we can't love our neighbor if we sit in our living rooms or if we come on Sunday mornings and we just sit here. And wait for God to bring people. God's going to bring people. Don't get me wrong. You know, God's going to bring people to hear his gospel, his message, his love. But you know what? We have a part to play. Well, the other thing that we, we, we see that, that the gospels tell us and remind us, and it comes out of Matthew 28, if we want to fulfill the, the mission that God has given us as his people, we have to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Matthew 28 He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And I love this because he ends it and he says, and behold, I will be with you to the end of the age. Behold, I will go with you. I will not leave you alone. You don't have to do this by yourself. I love that. 
And you know what's even cooler just before that passage there? Jesus reminds us again of the Genesis story that he created us in his image and he gives us authority. He says, because of the authority that God has given me, I give you authority. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that awesome? That's God's compassion for you and I as his people. See, Christ was willing to do whatever it took to proclaim the gospel. Are you willing to do it? That's the question that we have to ask ourselves this morning. Well, that brings us to the the next thing we see, the next statement that Jesus makes here. Jesus saw and had compassion. Verse 36 says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What did it say in Exodus 6, 9? Do you guys remember? We just read it a second ago. Flip your notes. I think it's in there. Maybe it's not. It said that the people were broken. The people were hurting. They were in slavery, in bondage. See, what we see here is that Jesus Jesus takes note. He doesn't just look out at the crowd and just kind of glance at them, but he actually sees. And because what he sees, he has compassion. I'm going to ask you a question. That's a tough question. You don't have to answer it out loud, of course. I want you to ask a question. I mean, I know we we just had a a major tragedy in California. You know, we see the, the, the fruit of sin in that tragedy, right? The death and the destruction because of, of, of sin, you know, is really what it is. And our hearts break, right? We have compassion for, for those that have suffered the loss and have suffered through this act of sin and terror. But I want to ask you this. Do you see all sin in the same way? When, when, when there's sexual impurity, do you, do you mourn that sin? Do you, do you weep with those that are, are suffering through that? Do you have compassion for those that are affected by that sin? You could fill in the blank. Again, This is what Jesus sees. He looks at the people and he sees all of that. And he has compassion. You know, there's a big difference between hearing and listening, right? You know, I'm going to confess my sin to you guys here, so forgive me. Give me grace on this one. But uh, I come home some days after work and uh, I sit on the couch and put my little recliner up and I flip the TV on and my wife is usually there making dinner for us and getting ready for the evening and hanging out. And so I walk in, hey, how you doing? Love you, honey. Sit down and kind of flip the TV on as she's cooking dinner. And uh, I get into the zone. You guys know the zone? Yeah, I bet you do. (laughs) I know you do. Men and women alike too. So I get into the zone, right? You know, my wife's telling me about her day and, and all I hear is this. It's kind of like the Charlie Brown Thing, you know, and I'm in the zone. I'm just like just chilling there, hanging out, and oh, sure, 
Yeah, sure. Yeah. See, that's not listening. I'm, I'm hearing noise. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> she knows I do it. She's called me out many times. But that's not, that's not hearing. It's the same thing with seeing. Sometimes we look at people, but we don't really see them. You know, we don't really look at them and see their hearts. We don't take the time to really acknowledge what's going on inside. The hurt and the sorrow and the pain and the suffering and all of that stuff. You know, Jesus saw and so he had compassion. See, we see, but we don't see. See, God values people. God has laid this, you know, and I really don't have words to describe other than that there's this huge value that God has placed on you and I. He created us. He gave us authority. He shows us mercy. He shows us grace. Even when we fall, even when we sin, even when we don't love him, he still loves us. Now, to me, that's a huge value placed on somebody. And that same type of value, God asks us to place on each other. He wants us to see like he sees. He wants us to look beyond the sin and the murkiness and all of the stuff that we see that causes us to pull back and step away and say, hey, I'm done with that. To say, hey, you know what? I'm going to love you even more. Because I want you to know the redeeming power of my Savior. I want you to feel and experience the same love that he's offered me. See, God places that value on you and I. I wonder what would happen if we would make it a point to ask God to help us see people from the inside instead of just from the outside. I think this world would be a different place, don't you? if we truly, sincerely, humbly ask God to help us to see this world, these people that are around us from the inside instead of the outside. You know, it's like the theologian said, if we were to live in their, in their bodies, if we were to see the things that they deal with and the suffering and the pain and the hurt and the brokenness and the sickness and all that stuff that life brings, would we respond differently? I love how Jesus responds here in 37. Verse 37. And the key word here, and I want you to circle it right at the beginning of the verse, it says, then. He says, then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. See, Jesus here, he speaks, he spoke with compassion. See, he sees something and he has compassion and that moves him to act. And I love what he does because he gives us this wonderful lesson on evangelism. That's exactly what he's doing here. He's teaching us how to be evangelistic in mind. See, he says here that there are many needs in the community. The harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of things going on in people's lives. And they need to be freed from this bondage, from this thing that is enslaving them. The gospel, the good news, the Christmas story needs to be shared. 
because there's much pain and much suffering around us. And he says, we need more people to be compassionate. See, a lot, of, a lot of pastors and a lot of us will take this passage and think, oh, well, you know, this is a call to leadership, you know, because there's the harvest and we need workers and so we need more leaders. I myself have kind of said that and that's true. But we don't just need people that are going to point and say, hey, go do this and go do that. See, what Jesus says here is that we need more laborers, more servants, more pastors, which are shepherds that are going to help the people in the midst of this. That are going to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus spoke of compassion. And Jesus knew the only answer for this was God himself. So he tells us, he says, pray to our Father. He says, look to Him and ask Him to raise up more workers, to lift up more workers, to to fill more hearts with this compassion that He has for the world around us. See, in these few verses, we are reminded of what Christmas is. And Christmas is compassion. God's compassion for you and I. See, He sent His Son for you and I, out of his compassion, out of his love for us. As we go away from here this morning, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to be the example. Be the example in your world. Wherever you work, wherever you do life, in your neighborhood, in the midst of your family, with your kids, with your aunts, your uncles, all the Christmas parties that you'll be a part of, I want to challenge you to be the example of compassion for the world that you're around. See, because Christmas is for everyone. It's not just for me. It's not just for you. Jesus is for everyone. And we have a responsibility in that. If we go in compassion and we have compassion, I believe the world will be a better place. We will change lives because our lives have been changed by the compassion that God has shown us. See, the reality is that we do, we live in a broken world. We live in a sinful world. And it only seems to be getting worse. It only seems to, to getting scarier, but we don't have to live in a spirit of fear because we know the end of the story. We know that God has victory. And I always think of this song. I know my mind kind of spins. But just the old hymn, Victory in Jesus. And the moments that you get scared, the moments that you have fear, the moments that you feel like you just need to step away, just remind yourself where that victory comes from. And it comes through Jesus Christ. A little baby in the manger. We have victory in Jesus. See, because Jesus was fully man and fully God. A savior for all. And he wants you to know him as your Lord. He wants to know us personally. Well, we're going to pray now. If you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And I want to remind you of something this morning. Because Christmas is more than all the world has has promoted it to be. Christmas is God's compassion 
for his creation. Christmas is God's love for you and I. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I want to ask you this. Do you know Jesus Christ personally as your Savior? Have you accepted the love and the grace and the forgiveness of sins? Maybe you have one day, a long time ago. Maybe you had two weeks ago and, and because you went away, you, you forgot about it. Maybe today is the day that God is reminding you that Christmas is for you. That Jesus Christ is for you. If that's the case, I want you to respond. I, I believe that, that God wants you to respond to him in this moment. I want you to just simply say, Jesus, I know that you are here for me. I know that in you there is forgiveness and freedom from my sin. I want you to trust the fact that that Jesus came for you. He came so that you could have freedom from that sin, freedom from that bondage that holds you and literally just destroys you. I want you to cry out to him. I want you just in a moment of silence, in a moment of just between you and him, just cry out to him. I'm going to pray with you and I'm going to pray for you. Father, we thank you for this morning, Father. We give you glory. We thank you for the Christmas story. We thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ. That if we would just believe in him, that we would trust in him, that you would forgive us of our sins, that you would free us from the bondage of those sins. Father, that you would give us eternal life. Father, your love is so deep, so wide and so vast. Lord, I I thank you for just all that you're doing in my life, in the life of those that are here this morning. Our prayer is that as we go away from here, Father, that we would go and share and we would love and we would encourage and we would be reminded that Christmas is for everyone. Your Son, Jesus Christ, is for everyone. Lord, we give you glory, we give you praise, and we give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.